This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Wow, Nancy is uh, in her first radio marathon that will, when it's finished at 11 o'clock, Dominic Carter comes in, and boy, I've already been back in the bullpen with Dominic Carter. He's like, he's got fire coming out of his nostrils. He's been setting this station on fire. His ratings are like, hey, I better watch out. Sid Rosenberg in the morning, better watch out. I was at the event at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue Saturday night, packed house to honor Sid Rosenberg, who received the Guardian of the Year Award for his trip to Israel. I'll be talking about that in the morning with Sid. Got to listen, 705, Monday through Fridays. And I'll get into the specificity of it. It was an amazing event, really an amazing event. But, uh, Nancy, how you doing in your first marathon? First time you had to do three hours. I'm, I'm doing good so far. I'm looking forward to rounding out this last hour. You know, I love the animal welfare the most and i love talking about animal issues so i'm excited one more yep and uh pretty soon you'll be doing six hours like me saturday mornings sunday mornings from 12 midnight to six what do you think i I think i need some time to work up to that level (laughs) well everybody does i i love it though i absolutely love it so let's talk about the first issue which involves The heroic dogs, the canine unit of the NYPD. Remember in the aftermath of 9-11, they had the cadaver dogs, which are trained specifically to go in and try to find both people who are alive or people, uh, body parts uh, that might remain. Then actually, uh, people are probably, when they've been arrested, uh, when it's thought that maybe they're carrying drugs, uh, and all of a sudden, they'll bring up the canine unit to sniff the car that's been stopped on the side of the road. And then in the aftermath of 9-11, bomb-sniffing dogs that we saw all over the city with the NYPD desperately needed. And now what's the latest use of the canine unit uh, to try to keep uh, people out of harm's way and, most importantly, bag-and-tag criminals who've committed a crime? Yeah, so these are NYPD Labradors that are used for... Uh, for purposes of finding any sort of electronic device that has storage capabilities. So, like, the the obvious thing would be something like a cell phone. And, you know, you can imagine if you're 
uh, the cops are chasing someone and they try to get rid of evidence, they throw something, or if they, they're executing a search warrant and they want to make sure they have all the electronic devices beyond like a sweep that the, the people can do, there are actually Labradors that are trained to smell the compounds that exist within these storage devices. There's like two specific chemical compounds. So there's like this A-team of Labradors, and they're saying that last week they were called into action specifically. Now, this relates to um, a week ago, police busted a robbery ring whose members were using stolen mopeds and scooters and then riding up on pedestrians and snatching their cell phones. So when they executed this search warrant, this was in the Bronx, they recovered 22 phones. So, I mean, again, now this is like part of it because, again, your phones can also be disguised as other things as well. So sometimes they're looking for information. It doesn't look like a phone. It looks like a zip drive. It looks like a keychain. Like So th- there are definitely some reasons to have this level of expertise. And it's just amazing that the dogs can actually sniff out those chemicals that make up storage units. We found that uh, information after the arrest of what you described was the migrant criminal ring of moped riders and Vespa riders. Right, two on a moped, two on a Vespa, mostly Venezuelan, uh, who basically are looking for women, elderly, whatever, holding a cell phone. Or maybe they see a, a purse or a wallet that they can grab. In one instance, remember that video, horrible. There's a woman who tried to grab a bag. Uh, she, what, They weren't able to extricate it from her. And instead of letting it go, they dragged her uh, almost to her death. Yeah, and she, she hit like one of those bike uh, metal racks. And that's what stopped her body physically. But it looked extremely painful. And what this uh, Venezuelan crime unit of migrants was doing was taking all the information out of the cell phones they had snatched and sending it back to their criminal uh, Venezuelan gang networks, which were outside of uh, Caracas. Uh, they weren't in Venezuela because there's no cash yet. They, were, they have units in Bogota, Lima, Peru, and in Santiago. Very sophisticated. You're talking white-collar crime after the street crime. And the ones who were able to solve the case are just now getting the credit as the canine unit of the NYPD because they couldn't find the phones. The guys had hidden it in a way that just by looking for them in a search, you couldn't find it. They turned these Labrador retrievers loose, and they found it hidden in a variety of places. Yeah, I mean, and because of the fact that now you have this sort of crime that's increasing in New York City, and it's not just the physical device of the phone. It's what they're doing once they have the the phone itself and the capabilities and the level to which they can actually take money out of people's accounts and you know, like just completely um, decimate their bank accounts. I think this is why now you're going to see this level of specialized um, focus on things like this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is the Animal Welfare Hour, exclusive to WABC. And here is a situation I've heard quite a few horror stories from. You leave your dog with a sitter. Or the sitter comes over to your house as if they were your kids and they sit with your dog or your dogs. And sometimes the very person that you're entrusting to care for the dog actually ends up causing the dog to either have injuries or leads to their demise. There's one particular case I'd like you to point out to our listeners because oftentimes they think the very first thing they should do is get a dog sitter. So this story is a little bit of an expose about a dog sitter who uh, runs her 
facility out of uh, Queens, although she's unlicensed, unlicensed a dog sitter uh, in Bayside Apartments. And she's been doing this Marlene Cordova for several years. But she's had several complaints against her that's now the, you know, the complainants are starting to come to light because they're putting the information online and people are realizing that this one particular woman is responsible for several dogs that have under her care either gone missing or, you know, she had like very mysterious answers for why they had injuries. So, for instance, uh, you know, they were detailing a list of the past couple of years where the dogs had gotten out of her uh, possession somehow. And then when they came to pick the dogs up, uh, the dogs had been hit by a car. The dogs had to have uh, surgery, stitches. Uh, another dog had been attacked by a different dog that she was sitting as well. And this um, last incident is where the dog um, apparently just had disappeared because unfortunately the, the door was left open, she said, but now none of the information's matching up. So what, you know, what people are trying to figure out is uh, if you can really bring any charges up against this lady, but in addition to trying to find the dog, but I mean, you know, she, you know, she lists herself on something called Rover, which is a pet care service, almost like Yelp for businesses. And, you know, now all of a sudden this feedback is coming in that this lady has, you know, very questionable past. Well, you have to. I mean, I, I understand you, you may be leaving town, you're working, you want somebody to sit with your dog or dogs. You better make sure they're reputable. It better not be with a fly-by-night agency or dog sitter or somebody, you know, check like anything else you would check. I mean, yes. I mean, certainly the best thing would be something like word of mouth if you know someone who's done that before. Because I guess to hear it saying that if this woman was listed on Rover for a while, you know, there were people who were able to get her her business because of this site being up. But enough of the complaints weren't really rolling in so that you could see as a consumer, like, is this lady getting complaints um, is she okay? So this is where some of these, you know, platforms that that do act as almost like the yellow pages for different services, you really should have it, um, you know, making sure that people can put their negative comments so that you really get a, a, a feedback on who these people are. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Maybe the weirdest animal welfare story I could ever remember reading. In fact, it might well be in the aquarium that has now accepted the killer whale orca. Originally, Chamu El Jefe Chris Christie, the whale who was going up and down the Jersey Shore and had a press conference and said the other day he will remain a Republican, even if most Republicans hate his guts. But he is down at SeaWorld in the aquarium. And whenever you go to the aquarium, you see, like, you see orca that kill whales, you see the other whales, you see sharks, and you see the exotic stingrays, which uh, I remember the first time I ever saw a stingray. No, not the car. Matt plays. What an idiot. The stingray car. That's what it's named after. But this is one of the most exotic uh, fish animals that you're going to see in the sea. Tell me this can be. <laughs> well, Tell me. Yeah, I don't I don't think it really can be. Uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, they have a, a shark lab aquarium. So apparently there's only one stingray. It's female. No males in this whole aquarium. But somehow this female stingray got pregnant. No, no, no. Hold on a second. <laughs> I want you to repeat that. There's only one stingray. Just one stingray. 
And somehow in an aquarium with no other stingrays. No other stingrays. This stingray, this mama stingray is now pregnant. Yeah, so now obviously they're trying to backtrack, figure out what could have happened. So the first thing would be, I guess, the, the equivalent of like the immaculate conception, right? It's like parthenogenesis. The eggs develop on their own without fertilization and basically create a clone of the mother. Like theoretically, they're saying that's possible, but probably highly unlikely. Here's the here's though the twist, right? There was a, a period of time where they had two young male sharks who um, hadn't yet become like uh, hadn't reached sexual maturity yet. So for some reason, they thought it was okay just to have them in the same exact tank with this female stingray. And they presumed, you know, because they're sharks, like nothing would happen. But they were in there for a little bit of time, and they seemed like the only one who could possibly match up. So it, it, I think the, at this point, the only possible um, father is a, a shark. What? <laughs> That's the only possibility. Like, nothing else makes sense at this point. No, I can understand a horse with a zebra. Uh, yeah, logistically, I'm not sure how that works. But a uh, stingray and the father is a shark? This is going to be interesting. Hmm. This is going to be interesting. To be continued, you've got to give well, us yeah, an update. The gestation is three to four months, so to be continued, three to four months. Well, you have to let us know. You've got to really do a deep dive <laughs> on this. This, this. this doesn't make sense. I don't know if I want to deep, deep too dively into this one. It's like, <laughs> what's going on in this aquarium? Something bad. Now, as you know, we're in an area where, especially in our suburban and rural outreach, because that is where the majority of our audience is, whether it's upstate New York, whether it's in Connecticut, whether it's throughout New Jersey, uh, northeast Pennsylvania, bears, bears. There's bear hunting season. There's bears. I think sometimes I've seen bears actually cross a bridge uh, when they know that there's bear hunting season in Pennsylvania. They come into New York. When they know there's bear hunting season in New York, they go over to Pennsylvania. But there was a video you showed me of a bear shimmying up a pole. Walking onto the, um, I guess, the deck of a house and entering the house through the dog entrance and exit. You know, where a dog would actually go in and out of a house. And now the fear is that, my God, bears may be going in and out of people's houses who have this special device so that the dog can actually go out on its own when it wants to take care of its needs or just play in the yard or do whatever. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the video footage of this bear it seems completely you know harmless. I'm sure it just smelled the food inside. It it wasn't really attacking the door per se. I think it was just trying to find if there was any open windows. There wasn't, and the doggy door, uh, thankfully, it didn't fit. I I think a lot of dogs, unless you're talking about a really large dog, you know, if you live in an area that has the bears, you got to be mindful and keep the doggy door size in check. But you know, it couldn't get in, so. After a few attempts, it just decided to walk away. You know, again, pretty harmless. They're, they're, they're so accustomed to being around people. I don't think it's uh, that incredible danger. It's more magnificent just to see them on your porch. Well, let's take you across the pond to Spain, where they have set up a ranger patrol to protect villages from massive bears that were once nearly extinct. Yeah, this is a Iberian brown bear. Now, this one I'd be a little more concerned if I saw it on my porch. It's it's like six and a half feet and like close to 500 pounds. So that might, 
scare me if I actually walked out on my porch so saw it, something like that. It looks that. like a Kodiak brown bear. Yeah, I mean the feet are huge on this thing. This is this is incredible. So it was almost extinct in this one uh, particular region in Italy, and now that the populations come back, uh, you know, just so aggressively, they actually have uh, groups of rangers who are their entire job is set to protect the residents and you know the local the local people from the bears because again, this isn't. Like the ones we just saw, like in the Washington, where it's trying to go through the doggy door. It's all friendly. It's used to people and picnics. Like this is something that had gone almost to the point of extinction. It's not accustomed to being around people. And apparently it's it's not too friendly. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is the WABC Animal Hour, soon to be heard across the nation, syndicated from coast to coast. But... You mentioned the bear story of the bear trying to go in and out of the dog entrance and the dog exit. Yes. We had a similar situation, Nancy, at a guardian angel headquarters where we have some of the feral cats that you have rescued since they don't uh, go inside. They're not domestic cats. They're feral cats. But they stay on the grounds because if they're fed, if they're warded, if they have a shed to stay in particularly with the inclement weather we're expecting now. And that's a warning. We are expecting a snowstorm to hit us. And it should start snowing or uh, ice and sleet. About what time tomorrow? Well, sometime starting Monday night into Tuesday. So I would anticipate, you know, putting stuff down on Monday night because by the time we get up on Tuesday, it'll already be started. And what are the things that people should be doing in terms of housing, in terms of providing a sanctuary for these outdoor animals that don't want to come inside of your house, they're feral, but you might be able to provide them some space to keep them away from this inclement weather so at least not, they don't get wet uh, and they don't end up uh, being in peril because of it. Yeah, the big things are keeping dry and keeping warm, keeping the wind away. So if you have something that's a container, imagine like a Tupperware container, those are the ones that I used to make the shelters. This way, you know, if a cat goes inside of it, it prevents the rain from coming in. That's the biggest thing, the snow. I mean, once they get wet, because the temperature will be below freezing, they won't have the opportunity to dry themselves off, and that'll create the potential for hypothermia. So you want to make sure that they don't get wet. Uh, if you have something where they can be, you know, indoors, you can open up a garage, you can open up something just to keep them out of the immediate rain. And then something where there's a little bit of a, a heated element to it. So, um, you know, like that, that's one thing that I like to put in. You know, even hand warmers, believe it or not, you can put in and that'll help warm them up because just to just to get themselves a little dry, a little warm, that's very helpful. And remember, a lot of them will seek sanctuary in the undercarriage of your car, near your uh, motor block of your vehicle because it's probably warmer than anywhere else, or at least it'll provide protection against the snow, the ice, the sleet, the rain. And again, um, remind people what they have to do when it comes the morning and maybe or even at night, whenever they're first getting into that car. What is it that they should do under all conditions, whether it's really bad weather, inclement weather, or it's normal weather, but especially when it's been inclement weather? Anything that is going to alert any creature that may be underneath the hood of your car or within the wheel well of your car to your presence. So knocking on the hood of the car, knocking on the side, beeping the horn, something that'll just 
you know, get their attention right away and make them run so this way you don't start the engine and hurt them. Sure, because a lot of them are sleeping. And, well, there you go, exactly. And you beep your horn and mm. they will flee in fright. And yeah. that's good because they get out of there. Because it, once you turn that engine on, we had a caller a while back on the Animal Welfare Hour confess to us that she had done that once and it shredded up a cat that it had secured its way in the undercarriage near the motor block to stay warm. It had been in clement weather. And she carries that with her to today. And then one last thing in reference to the story that we talked about where the bear was trying to get into the the uh, hole that has been uh, put in for the dog to enter and exit that house so it can go on its own. It doesn't have to wait for somebody in the house to take him for a walk in the yard. We had a situation at our guardian angel headquarters where we keep the feral cats outdoors and some of them will actually go in and out to feed. So there's a little trap door that's been built a cat door. And guess who came in the other night? Probably intuitively knowing it's going to be bad weather because, you know, the animals know in advance and seek sanctuary prior to the bad weather coming more so than humans have. It's innate to them. A raccoon. Uh. <laughs> so a raccoon comes into the headquarters and one of our guardian angel freaks out. The raccoon cannot go back out because it hasn't figured out how it got in there to begin with. Eventually, it worked its way outside through that same door that the cats come in and out of to feed or to hang out. And uh, as you've seen and as I've seen, feral cats will hang out with raccoons and possums like they're cats. They, they, they don't, the cats were not at all repulsed by the fact that there was a raccoon with them. I mean, for the most part, they're living outside in the same exact area and eating the same sources of food. I mean, there's no reason to think they're necessarily predators toward one another. If you're not competing for a food source, they're certainly not competing for, um, you know, breeding purposes. So for, I mean... It just seems well, pretty logical. Well, hold on a second. Oh, no. Actually, you're right. The, the whole stingray. You just told <laughs> us the story about a sh- a stingray uh, in the aquarium getting impregnated uh, not, by me, a shark. Let me not speak too soon on that. Since right. cats and possums and raccoons get along so splendidly, feral cats with uh, raccoons and possums, who knows? Yeah, who am I to say? It may be a possibility. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. You know, uh, Nancy, uh, your nickname is Lone Wolf One. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when I'm doing the best side of the other side of midnight, Saturday mornings from uh, midnight to six, and I, I make sure that everybody stays with me until the break of dawn. I don't I don't like people falling asleep on me, and then so nice. The suits, the muckets, the muckety mucks here at WABC. Let me do it twice Sunday mornings from twelve midnight to six. Uh, what is the incredible thing is is that Broadway uh, Bob Lee Billy. Every time I mention your name, will play the howling of a wolf. That clearly you're in the midst of doing because I have no way that you're not out in Central Park on a big rock that, where you enter the rambles, especially when there's a full moon, lunar eclipse, blood moon. You're howling to the moon. It's Lone Wolf One and the coyotes. That's how we know there are coyotes in Central Park now because they come towards you. So you are very much like a wolf. Am I correct? Yeah, with the exception that I don't go on, you know, on the rocks at midnight by myself. Why did you choose as a nickname Lone Wolf One? What is it that you like about wolves as an animal breed? Well, I mean, I you know, they're they're certainly uh, they, well. Again, it was the lone wolf concept. Really, it's that initially I was just going through the Central Park by myself. I was doing that sort of unofficial patrols and. And giving you feedback. So since I was patrolling solo, that's kind of where it came from. And also you like the fact that uh, wolves mate for life. Well, that's true. So the me, the male and the female wolf mate for life. They don't separate unless uh, one dies. Yeah, that's, that's but, the only way it's going to end. But the wolf also has been known to mate with dogs. That's how you I end don't up know with any the those, wolf dog. I don't know those wolves. I know, but you, you do know there is that breed that's called the wolf dog. I've I've heard of that breed. I've heard of that breed. So now we have, hold on a second, before we go to the phones here, we have stingrays supposedly mating with sharks. Mm-hmm. We know that wolves mate with dogs. Yeah. We know that zebras mate with horses. And we know, uh, probably soon, you'll be reporting on a story of raccoons mating with feral cats. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Let's go right to the phones. Uh... And it's uh, Joe who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Yeah, hi. Uh, that sounds like Rosemary's baby with the stingray, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to ask you about turtles and, uh, and then about Ocean Parkway. Uh, with the turtles, uh, they say that the sea turtles that come up on the beaches in the Hawaii shores or 500 pounds, they're a tourist attraction, but as a swimmer, I think people would be fairly spooked by them. Uh, 
if they were swimming and bumped into somebody, something 500 pounds. And they say in China, though, they have these turtle farms where turtles are sold in the restaurants now as a, as a specialty item. Uh, another thing about turtles, they said that uh, some of them lived to like 200 years old, and there was a thing going back where Charles Darwin's pet turtle was still alive. Uh, but uh, also about Ocean Parkway, that stretch between Jones Beach and uh, Robert Moses, where some of these motorcycles go to 150 miles an hour, couldn't deer possibly jump out? Isn't that dangerous? Well, I think it's more likely uh, dangerous uh, just from going 150 miles an hour. On a motorcycle. You know, you know who likes to bike together, the three of them? Uh, I did a whole hour last night on uh, Billy Joel, who I don't like. And now I'm starting to like his music because Broadway Billy was playing it underneath me. But there was a threesome on motorcycles, Harleys, and it made me almost want to projectile vomit. There was uh, Billy Joel, Andrew Evilize Cuomo Joe, and uh, uh, Dolan, owner of Madison Square Garden, the Knicks, and the Rangers, and all three of them were in a pack. So I would say it's more likely, because uh, I have actually had arguments with my wife who loved riding speed motorcycles, not to ride a motorcycle because you're going 150 miles an hour. You have a death wish. You got that, Joe? There's no way yeah. they were riding speed motorcycles. I can tell you that. 150 much. miles an hour. Not them. That's a dead. Nancy, we made an agreement. Let's explain to everybody. I like going up in helicopters. I, I want to renege on this agreement, actually. Hold I'm on sorry. I like going up in helicopters. You didn't like me going up in helicopters. I gave up my passion, like Michael Your passion? Bloomberg. You did it like one time. No, no. <laughs> Bezos and his wife, they like to go up in helicopters. Bloomberg liked to go up in helicopters. I'm not a pilot, but I, I would take advantage. People say, I'll take you up in a helicopter. I agreed not to go up in helicopters any longer because you didn't want me to. And then I told you, no more speed bikes, motorcycles. What, what kind of a bike did you have there? Um, a Honda CBR. Yeah. Yeah, that you were going to be turned into a speed bump. I'm funny. sorry, Joey. Had to settle some domestic uh, issues. Here. You know what's funny? I used to actually ride at Floyd Benefield. See this? Yeah, that's right. You're right. Don't get me started on that migrant tent. But anyway, Joe, we saw Nancy show me a video. I forget which place you were describing a 500 pound sea turtle, where the turtle was on its back and couldn't straighten out and would have died that way. And a good Samaritan came by, and he was really struggling. Because you're right, 500 pounds is a hell of a lot. Took him about a half hour to get him towards the sea and then try to flip him over. And once he did, that turtle, it was so exhausted. It, it Pretty much it was over for that turtle. was able to swim out to sea. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, so, uh, Nancy, that reminds me. No motorcycles, no speed <laughs> motorcycles. Oh, yeah. I'm but what are the Italian ones? They're, they're mean, like the fastest. Or Ducati. I mean, yeah. but that's... Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's looking at Ducatis up on the uh, screen. No way. And, and I won't even let you ride a migrant motorbike, Vespa, or e-bike. Yeah, things... Yeah, this, Just I'm, remember that e-bike that almost killed you. I want to renegotiate And this. I took the shot. When you, were, when you had lost your eyesight and I was taking you to a doctor's appointment, remember that woman was on an e-bike and smashed into me and I couldn't go down. I had to show everybody I could take him in the meantime. I was, oh. 
No, a thousand times no. Let's go to Joe and Jericho. Your turn to be heard here. WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour, Giuseppe. Hey, Curtis. Bottom line is, as that's all said and done, uh, it's really sad that the situation of all these six million dogs and cats murdered every year. And I have a great solution for it. The bottom line is we have to continue what you've been doing for the longest time with um, ACAC. Animal care and control. There's one in every borough. They have a terrible... No, 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 no. Let me correct you, Joe. There is not one in every borough. Uh, Nancy taught me. I thought, too, like Joe, there was a animal shelter run by uh, animal uh, care and control in each borough. Could you explain to Joe and everyone else, they think there is one, what exactly exists, and we spend, as taxpayers, gazillions on this. Well, what was supposed to be in the city charter itself is that every borough was supposed to have a fully functioning um, shelter, which means uh, you can have animals dropped off 24-7. It's open 24-7. You have the vets. Well, they've only had three uh, pretty much since the inception of that law. And when they were finally taken to court through the years and years and years, people trying to demand, we just want one shelter in our borough. They Right before the case got decided in their favor— the, the legislature met and actually changed the law, so they didn't have to do that. So that's how they got around having to have a shelter in every single borough. So there's only, there's only three of them, and they have limited intake hours. And, you know, when they have an issue, like when, you know, their animals get sick, which sadly happens a lot, they'll close their doors, and you can't drop the animals off. So, I mean, they have been a sore, sore disappointment. Let me tell you something. I had a chance to actually look at the outside of the Staten Island Animal Care and Control Facility. It was closed. But somebody was in the parking lot. It's the shopping center way back in the South Shore, back where that Mama Luke Frank Morano lives. You couldn't find it with a GPS. You couldn't find it. And then it's the size of a damn shoebox. So how many animals who are being surrendered? And again, let me advise all of you. It may not be you because you listen in the Animal Welfare Hour, but you got to spread the word. When people surrender their animals, which in many instances are their friends, they're like family members, and you do it to an animal care and control shelter, they're not no-kill shelters. And even though they tell you, hey, we're going to try to adopt and foster out your beloved uh, dog or cat— because maybe you have to go to the hospital, maybe you can't afford to maintain it, for whatever reason. If they can't adopt it out, if they can't foster it out, and they'll try, they kill it, they destroy it, they euthanize it. Yet they understand that we spend millions of tax dollars, and it should be a no-kill shelter. Like uh, Joe mentioned, six million dogs, six million cats killed needlessly around the country, and we have promised to all of our listeners, in fact, during our holiday extravaganzas, we make it a point that every year, during Easter, New Year's, and Christmas, that Nancy and I appear together because there are a lot of shut-ins, a lot of people who can't travel, a lot of people don't have family and friends any longer, but they may have dogs and cats. And so we talk specifically to them about this issue and other issues. And remember, last New Year's, not this this one, the previous New Year's, John Katsimatidis and Margot joined us, along with Rita Cosby, 
And one of the callers mentioned how many dogs and cats are killed across the country. And John was bewildered. I mean, he loves dogs and cats, as does Marco. In fact, John Katsimatidis, when he ran for mayor in 2013, was the first ever to have as one of his platform issues no-kill shelters. Before. Before me. No-kill shelters. So we were talking to John about helping us get one of these empty storefronts. I mean, they were all over Manhattan, Lexington Avenue. If they don't put another weed shop, illegal weed shop. Oh, my God. They got all these illegal weed shops. But anyway, there's plenty of empty real estate, meaning commercial space, empty, sometimes the whole block. They had a huge article in the New York Times how there's even going to be more empty commercial space because the banks are calling in the loans. And that's good. It's going to cause tremendous economic strain here in New York City. But we got to really work with John to try to get a location, Nancy, in which uh, you'll take uh, control because you know how to deal with dogs and cats uh, better than most. And you'll put them in the window and we'll show animal care and control. You want to foster cats and dogs. You want to adopt out dogs and cats. You want people to come and take these cats and dogs and make them friends and family members. That's the way you do it. Yeah, I mean, and if people have an opportunity to see the animals, and then also they don't have to be around that horrible shelter environment where they're constantly smelling death. I mean, it's not. There's a reason why they're so, uh, you know, so out of control when you visit them, and then they get these personality assessments. Oh, this cat's skittish. This dog is scared. It's like no, they're not. It's just the environment they set up for them is not in allowing them to actually showcase their personality and they're frightened being in there. So that's actually making them even have a tougher time get adopted and out. They get sick. And they get sick. They may not have been sick when they were put in the shelter for whatever reason. Almost all of them get sick from the other dogs and cats. It's like a 100% infection rate. That's how ridiculous it is. Whatever they didn't have before, they get in the shelter. Who the hell is going to come there and adopt a cat or a dog that they think is sick? And by the way, who's going to travel to East Harlem? Who's going to travel to East New York or Flinden Boulevard across from Cypress Hills? Are you freaking out of your mind? Yeah, I, I know, Tony. Okay, you would. But you're like, what, six, eight, three hundred pounds? <laughs> and still, you probably wear... Uh, body condom, bulletproof body condom, walking in those streets. So come on. A shoebox in Staten Island that even Frank Morano, that Mama Lou, couldn't find. Linden Boulevard, a shelter that has barricades that looks like it's a, a wartime occupied area. And he's tall. An unfriendly environment for dogs and cats. We really got to make this a priority to our audience I got to really sit down with John, get serious about this, because just within proximity of the WABC, there's so much empty retail space. It doesn't have to be a whole block. We can start with what would normally be an illegal weed shop. We got one opened up a block away from WABC. They had balloons. They had oh, the grand opening. bunting, grand <laughs> opening, come in, sample the product. It's an illegal weed shop. Well, they certainly have their marketing down. We got to get one of those. And you know what? I think to sweeten it up, yeah. we'll call it the Cat's House. The John Katzmatidis House, right? You have Ronald McDonald House for the kids who are, who are having to stay in an area to get uh, cancer care or surgery at a nearby hospital so the families can stay there and be near their children. I like that. Cat's 
the cat's house. That would suggest a priority is being placed on cats instead of dogs. Maybe we'll call it the Murano house for the dogs, since when he was walking his dog, his preferred animal. By the way, let me just mention that since he's married Rachel, she had three cats. She is the cat lady. Two of them have died. Need I say more? It ain't because of Rachel, because he's a dog man. So maybe we can open up the Murano doghouse because he's always in the freaking doghouse. I had to get that off my chest since he is uh, now an enrolled member of the Curtis Sliwa boot camp for talk radio hosts. He has fallen from grace. But I will give you a report, everybody. He's doing much better, especially when Dominic Carter comes in, jump starts him in that first segment. I like the two of them together, and then he takes it the rest of the way to the 5 o'clock hour. And what he does is he talks about cat issues. People call him up. You know, I had a problem with my cat. I know you have cats. Instead so, of saying. So what you're saying is if you need a pet sitter, don't call Frank. No. And by the way, don't because you're probably your house will burn down. It'll be smoking the cigars, fall asleep like he did with his mother. Burnt down his mother's house, proving he's a mama Luke. His mother never complained. God, don't get me started with this guy. I like that. Staten Island will call it the Frank Morano doghouse. Because he's always in the doghouse here, WABC. And in Manhattan, we'll have the cat's house for the cats. John Katsimatidis could be right here, a block away from WABC. We can visit them, Nancy. John can visit them. All of our listeners can visit the cats. This is just genius on the fly. Giving a new meaning to the old term, the cat house. <laughs> a new meaning. Yes, yeah, indeed. that won't be like in Corona and Elmhurst, where, which has become cat houses, brothels there. Let's just, let me regroup. <laughs> the Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Lewa. Back we go. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hi, Curtis. Uh, yeah, Dad, I live in Patterson, New Jersey, and I'm Madison Ave, and I'm calling. Um, I ran into problems. I moved to where I'm at. I had about eight cats uh, with a roommate three years ago, and then my roommate, she got the COVID shot. She got Gillian Barr syndrome, and... I don't know. It ended up being I have no car. You know, I'm uh, on mental disability. I'm not going to lie. I'm on mental disability. And uh, that, you know, we had the COVID and, and I ended up having where the cats multiplied. And right now, I mean, I have them. I get a good income and, and I spend probably about $800 a month on the, the cat food from Chewy. And uh, I have um, between 55 and 60 cats. Are they indoors or are they feral cats? Um, they've been indoors. They were all indoor cats for uh, the time I've been here. That uh, none of them been outside. And then I feed cats outside. Even I even have some in the backyard. I feed almost sixty cats a day now. What is it that attracted you to becoming a patron for these cats? I I looked at their little eyes and stuff. I that's. Loved them. I mean, they, they multiplied. I didn't realize they were going to... A couple of the males got out of hand. I should have had neutered 
I made a big mistake. And um, and then my landlord even has cats. My landlord below me, that's why, like, when I came here, I would have stayed where I was at and, and maybe got rid of different ones and had none. But my landlord, she has, like, 40 cats, and she's like, the more the merrier. Come on over. Bring the cats. And uh, and this this house here has probably about 100 cats right now, close to it. Wow, and you and the landlady are able to manage? She's in foreclosure. This is where the problem is. Uh, last year, we get to knock on the doors. We have two doors in the front that this house is over 3,000 square feet. And uh, that she said she didn't, that, you know, she had to pay the taxes. She said she owed 13000 And then she tells me, don't worry about it. I continue paying the rent, even though I had a. Uh, no certificate of occupancy and failure to repair. I've been taking cold showers. There's no, she got to the point 18 months. Now I have no hot water, the refrigerator. I've had no set for seven months now, no refrigerator because she uh, couldn't had no money to, to replace it. I'm living like a dog and just uh, giving up meals to feed the cats. And she was doing the same thing. And she, I thought she was on a payment plan and owed 13,000 and ended up, uh, she wasn't on a payment plan because now we're on an entry order, a step away from a sheriff's sale, and they put what she still even owed on the house. She's 76. The house is about 100 years old. She owed still 127000 Now, let, so me, uh, let me ask you a question, Mike. Um, um, wow, this is a dilemma. Where in Patterson, and, uh, where in Patterson and is this? Back, that's why I want to save the cats. In no, time. no, no, understood. But are you up the hill or down the hill in Patterson? Um, oh, I'm, I'm right near, uh, right when you get off Route 80 to Madison Ave exit, right. I'm right there. I, I know, uh, exactly. You're not I'm far from. Banana, I'm by Banana King. But I, I'm, uh, when you pass Banana King, then there's 20th Ave and a bodega. The bodega's uh, two doors away from I, me. I know it well. I know it well. I'll tell you what. Stay on the line. Uh, Matt Blaze, get his information. Boy, this sounds like an emergency. I know the mayor. And let me see if I can uh, do an intervention. The mayor actually was a student of my sister, Maria, who was an adjunct professor. Uh, when I met with the mayor, we were at an award ceremony because we were doing some uh, patrols in Patterson, up the hill, down the hill. That's ooh, that rough. And um, I'll ask him if we can assist Mike and his landlord because really that's like a cat sanctuary now. That's That would actually have more cats than the local Passaic County shelter or the Patterson city shelter would have. Yeah, I mean, and obviously they're being cared for. They already have their place. They're indoors. Um, the biggest things that are being done is supplied. So now it just sounds like they need to be fixed, and that'll keep everything in check. And there are a lot of situations like that where people have problems, and they don't realize that the cats will procreate quickly. And then all of a sudden, where you had two cats, you now have eight or ten cats. And then they start, how, how quickly, just to give an idea to people, how quickly uh, can a group of kittens that were just being, been born to one cat mom start procreating and creating a new uh, sort of brew of cats? <laughs> a brew, I would say around six months. Um, you know, males and females would be mature, so 
you know, and and the female cats can have multiple. I mean, I would say, you know, three, four, five, six cats. So, you know, imagine if you have a group of five or six cats, you know, six, eight months down the road, you can already have like another 30 of them, you know, working well, their you, way in. You've just taken uh, two of the kittens that you've rescued. Mm-hmm. Uh, the females yeah, to get yeah. fixed first at Doctor Nass's, uh, Nass's in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and now you have to schedule the males. You decide, let me get the females first because they're the ones who are going to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's well, first order of business. And how uh, how old are the two kittens, uh, the female kittens that you rescued that you took to get? Well, they're fixed? like um, roughly seven months. So you know, again, you know, the idea is like when you when you ha- when you're dealing with them when they're outdoors. You know, as soon as you can get them, they, there's like a, a rule of thumb, two months and two pounds. So you, you don't want to fix them before they're, you know, when they're too small. But at the same time, you don't have many opportunities when they're outside. So you have to wait a little bit until they're a little big. But, you know, you give them around six, seven months. That's a I think that's kind of like the sweet spot where it gives them enough time to get big and, and you know, grow up a little bit. I don't, I don't like doing it too, too soon. But um. But no, you were worried because you were saying some of the male cats their age were getting a little frisky. Yeah, no, it's getting a little crazy. So <laughs> you gotta you gotta stop that very quickly. Before. And you you did two female kittens in one week. Mm-hmm. I remember one day you were not feeling well at all, but you said to me, "I've got to do it because unless we're willing to take care of four, five, <laughs> six, or more, unexpected." And that's how quickly it, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, because think about it with the with the two females. Like theoretically, if if they both were to get pregnant, I mean, they could have ten cats between them. So it's like you gotta nip that in the bud real quick. Yeah, you educated me how quickly that can. I think most people don't realize. And and it's you know when they're growing up outside and you see them and they're so small. Unfortunately, so many of them perish um, in the early days because kitten mortality rate outside is really really high because it's it's tough for them to. You know, to grow up in usually the dangerous atmosphere, also the dirty environment. But you'd be surprised how quickly they grow up when they're living outside. I mean, four or five months, they're already in a colony. They're defending their turf. They're fighting for turf. I mean, they're pretty much full-grown adults in that sense by the time they're four or five months outside, which is why, you know, their life cycle goes so quickly when they're outdoors. It's just the stress level is nonstop in just trying to compete for basic resources. Wow. A hundred cats between the landlady and Mike. And uh, I'll do the intervention on this one. I know the mayor. Uh, He happens to be, uh, I believe, Syrian Christian. So he's Arab American. Good guy. Uh, And like I said, uh, I have somewhat of a personal relationship with him. He's a Democrat. But, hey, I'm not of the Mark Levin belief that all Democrats are evil. Plenty of good Democrats out there. Plenty of them. Let's go to Al in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC. Happy St. Valentine's Day to you two lovebirds. And I have to say that I call upon everybody on Staten Island in New York City to go to ACAC on Staten Island and adopt those dogs. See if they'll waive the fees and give free medical care. And just down the block at 4915 Arthur Kill Road is Richmond Valley Animal Practice. This is their 51st year. Dr. Esposito and Dr. Powell, the best there. S care anywhere in Staten Island. Now, now, let, let me ask you one question, though, Al. Uh, I want you to reiterate to our audience how small, how out of the way Staten Island Animal Care and Control is, because 
I, I believe that even Frank Morano, who lives out there, couldn't find it with a GPS. Frank Morano couldn't find the truth if he used both hands. He's a cabone. But in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> you mean a real cabone? I can't, you know, it is a disgrace. I can't reiterate it enough. There's so much space in this city now, so much. This weekend, huge articles in the New York Times. I mean, huge. I had to read them. How much commercial space is empty and more will be now available because banks are calling in the loans of the men and women that own the actual property. You can't tell me on Staten Island. I've been in almost every neighborhood in Staten Island, especially North Shore. There is empty commercial space. And they put animal care and control all the way out in the South Shore in the back of this plaza that it took me 20 minutes to find. And then you look at it and you're assuming, wow, this is going to be a big facility, you know, because everything else in the plaza is huge. It's a little shoebox in the wall. And you could hear, because it was closed at the time, the dogs and the cats, you know, almost like screaming because they heard, you know, a human being, rescue me, rescue me. I felt like taking the guardian angels that were with me. And rescuing them all, but I have, we had no place and, to bring And them. there's no space in those facilities either. I mean, you can see where they keep the dogs. The dogs can really barely turn around. They can't move too much. I mean, all you're doing is putting them in a place where it's really tough for people to see them. If you put them at these uh, in these storefront areas, they have a lot of space to roam around themselves. Yes. So they don't have to be confined in the cage all day. So our mission, Mrs. Sliwa, mm-hmm. Nancy to set up two sanctuaries, one for cats in an empty storefront near here, WABC. We're going to call it the Cat's House in honor of John Katsimatidis, who loves cats. And in Staten Island, the Frank Morano Dog House, since he loves dogs, was walking his dog, came back home, smoked a cigar, burnt down his mother's house, and you can truly see he's a, a mama Lou because his mom never complained. And he's always here in my doghouse here at WABC. Now, if anybody needs to get in more information from you uh, about the animal welfare situations they're dealing with, how might they do that? Uh, they can visit uh, guardianangels.org or email me, nancy at guardianangels.org. Do we have the new animal welfare site up? Uh, I know that James Perone was working on it feverishly to have it ready before our 45th anniversary of the Guardian Angels. Well, yeah, we'll be ready, and then uh, we'll be announcing it on the social media and linking to it. And then, you know, next week when I'm on, I'll just uh, announce that for everyone, too. In honor of a 45th anniversary of service now to the world, the Guardian Angels. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.